Welcome to the Circuit of Success Podcast. The Circuit of Success Podcast. With your host, Brett. Brett. Brett Gilliland. Brett Gilliland, visionary wealth advisor. The Circuit of Success Podcast. Let's start the show. Welcome to the Circuit of Success. I am your host, Brett Gilliland. Today, I've got Nick Hutchison with me. Nick, what's going on? Brett, I'm excited for the conversation. Can I ask you question number one? You may. What is your favorite book of all time? Oh, what is my favorite book of all time? I always tell people The Rhythm of Life by Matthew Kelly. That is my uh, favorite book. And uh, it was a book I got recommended, gosh, probably 12 years ago, maybe. And uh, it was a game changer for me. So that would be it. The Rhythm of Life by Matthew Kelly. What do you think? I love it. Here, we just, <laughs> we just, oh, I haven't, I haven't read that book yet. Um I do own a Matthew Kelly book. It's not that one. And it was a book that I had read a number of years ago, but uh, I love to hear it. Awesome. Yeah, it was a great book, man. So check it out. So you are um, the force behind book thinkers and people that listen to this podcast. They hear me talk about, you know, every day reading 10 pages minimally. That'll get me around 24 to 25 books a year. Uh, which I know I just interviewed somebody yesterday and he had read 85 books. I'm like, okay, I feel like a total schmuck now. But anyway, 24 to 25 books a year is pretty good for me. But anyway, that's what I like to do. Um, our people connected with your people, and uh, now here we are. So if we can, before we dive into all this great stuff, Nick, I always ask the question is, what has made you the man you are today? Well, I was not much of a reader growing up, which would surprise they can see the background. So I've got like a thousand books behind me <laughs> and I read about a hundred <laughs> books a year. Uh, wow. When I was going into my senior year of college, I took an internship at a local software company and my boss at the time, he recognized that I had about a one hour commute each way. And he said to me something like, Nick, listening to the same playlist, the same music for the 1000th time, like it's not going to get you closer to where you want to be in life, but the right personal development podcast might. And so that's how I started. I started by listening to podcasts. And what I noticed was that so many of the successful people being interviewed, they gave at least some credit for their success to the books that they were reading. And so that's what made me the man I am today. I started consuming personal development books. I started reading about every problem I had, every skill I wanted to develop. I started reading about the world's best at everything, health, wealth, and I started implementing something from Red. Here I am about 10 years later, 500 books in, and you can't stop me now. <laughs> That's awesome, man. It's true. I, I call it Windshield University. It's, you know, we have so much time in our cars, whether you're commuting or driving, you know, whatever you're doing. Um, you know, let's, let's get another university. Let's get another degree, right? And so I think it's, it's huge. So here's my question for you on the, you know, you've read 100 books already this year, I think you said, is, how like how are you doing that number one and how are you committing the time to it with a you know with a busy schedule well i like to start by asking people this so sometimes people will tell me like hey i can't read and i love to say if i paid you ten thousand dollars to read a book by the end of the month do you think you could do it and they're like yes well i could read five in that case <laughs> and so yeah. it's not a question of whether or not we can read it's a question of whether or not we value it enough to prioritize it on our calendar so for me, not only is it my full-time job now, which helps read it, promote books for authors, 
Um, but I value it. I value it more than Netflix, more than social media. I value it more than a lot of things that other people spend their time doing. I'm always looking to serve my future self. I'm always looking to remove pain and solve problems. I'm looking to develop skills and get closer to my potential. So that's how I'm able to prioritize it and find so much time. And just like you talked about, 10 to 20 pages a day, that's 25 books a year, even for a beginner. So yeah, it's, it's a great way to make it happen. Yeah, because I, you know, I hear people all the time when I talk about my 10 pages thing, like, oh, I don't have time, and, and, but I think you're right. It's a priority. You know, so I, I have it, whether it's in the middle of the day, I got to get it in. If it's, usually it's first thing in the morning. It's about one of the first things I do. Um, and so I, I've just made it a habit, and I think that we've got to. And the things that I've learned, and even the thoughts that come into my mind about something, whatever is going on in my life in that situation, this thing I'm reading over here will help fertilize that, right? And you just add some water to it, and then that thing starts to grow. And for me, it's thinking, it's journaling, it's spending time on it. So I'm curious, because one of your passions, and one of the things I wrote down in here is your new book, Rise of the Reader, which comes out November 1st, plug intended. Uh, we'll talk about that later. But you, you really dive in the strategies for mastering your reading habits, but then also applying what you learn. So I'm curious on how we do that. How do we apply what we've learned when we read every day? There are so many different strategies for application that we can talk about, but I think it all starts in the, in the early stages of your reading process. So for me, one of the things that I found myself doing that most other people don't do is I set an intention for each book that I read. And my intention follows the SMART goal framework. So it's specific, it's measurable, it's attainable, it's irrelevant to my life, my religion, so I'm emotionally connected, and it's time-bound. So one of the books that a lot of people are reading right now in the world of business is titled $100 Million Leads by Alex Hormozzi. And it's a book on lead generation, and they're just hoping that it's going to change their life. And so instead, I say set a SMART goal set an intention for the book, something like find and implement at least two lead generation strategies for my business by the end of October. And then review that intention each time you read a few more pages so that you can tell your brain what to filter for. Find and implement at least two lead generation strategies. Now you'll be able to accurately identify them within the book and the book can help you solve your problems. I think it all starts with setting an intention and have that intention based on taking action. Yeah, I love that because that's what we do with our clients. You know, we're in a wealth management space and it's, it's, it'd be like us saying, hey, just come in and we're just going to start saving money with no intention on where we're going and no goal. That would be crazy, right? And so I've never really thought of it that way is to have right. an intention for the book. I'm a big highlighter. Right? I like to highlight the books. I like to read the actual book, not you know, like on my iPad or something like that. And so, so how do you, for people that maybe don't have that discipline built today, they're not doing the 10 pages, they're not reading 100 books a year, what advice would you have for them to take action and start making it part of their life? Yeah, I would say pause for five minutes before you start the book. And at this point, you should know what the book is about. And set a goal, set a goal to implement at least one thing from the book. So by the time you're finished with the book, you've highlighted a few potential actions that you can take with your highlighter, just like you talk about. And look at those actions, write them down. 
rewriting your favorite takeaways is a form of repetition and repetition leads to retention. So look at these potential takeaways and say, which one of these is going to lead to most of the change that I'm looking to create? Take action on it. There's a Napoleon Hill quote that I love. It says, action is the real measure of intelligence. It's not sitting back and debating things and having a great vocabulary. It's the person who chooses to implement what they've learned, creates a behavior change, turns it into a habit, and then wakes up as a wildly different person 10 years from now. And so that's it. Just one thing from every single book that you read. And are you writing those down? Are you, are you a writer downer guy? Are you a journal guy? Like, how are you, how are you doing that? Yeah. So typically I will, let's say I read a book on lead generation using that example. And I've set an intention to find and implement at least two things. I'll probably have 15 potential. So at the end of the book, I go through and I reread those 15 things that I highlighted and I will rewrite all of them into a list. And I'll say, here are the potential actions that I can take. What 20% of these will create 80% of the change that I'm looking for? The highest leveraged activities. Not every activity is created equal. And then, I, I mean, and I detail all this in the book. It would get a little bit complicated to try to explain, but I have an activity tracker that I will plug those activities in and I'll set a goal to implement that by the end of the week or in the next two weeks or three weeks. And so it gets rewritten into a second place. But yeah, I think that writing with a pen in your hand, it's multi-sensory, it's visual, you can feel it happening. And again, repetition leads to retention. So you want to rewrite it a couple of times, once on paper, second time into my tracker. Yeah. So if we're not reading, are you? would you call yourself a big goal planner? Just Again, eliminate the reading side of this thing. Are you a huge, uh, huge goal planner? I would say yes. I have been over the last 10 years. I'm probably a little bit less today than I was. But no, you know what? No, scratch that. Yes, I am. <laughs> Define that. How are you a huge goal planner? Well, everything's quantified in my life. And I, I will say that doesn't sound fun, but Jocko Willink said it best. Discipline creates freedom. Discipline equals freedom. And so by defining my goals in my activity tracker for every week. And my goals are related to everything, not just business. So goals around health and the gym and fitness and diet. Goals around my relationship, certain number of date nights every week, et cetera. Um, goals around my business and my personal finances and things like that. Everything's quantified because without measurement, you don't know if you're making progress. You have to understand your and where you're at. And so I set goals, incremental improvements. I set annual goals for my business and we track against them. I mean, I have all sorts of goals. So yeah, I'm definitely a goal planner. Yeah, I love it. What, what, what have you learned about a disappointment slash failure slash, uh, you know, swinging and missing all that stuff from the business world? Talk, you know, we talk about success all the time on the circuit of success, but let's talk about the circuit of failure too, because I know for me, some of my toughest times have been my best learnings. So what, what are some of those that you feel like sharing today? Well, I've learned that the U.S. public education system has it backwards because when I was younger, I was taught that failure was a bad thing. I was taught to avoid failure, okay. avoid criticism, and I was never really coached, right? But then I started playing sports and in sports, when you make an error, or you have an issue or you miss a block or whatever, your coach comes over and tells you how to handle it better next time. And I think that's 
That's what happens in business. Right. Fail and you, and you iterate, you make progress. And so I've learned that failure is the best. Failure is amazing. If you fail fast and you fail hard at full speed and you're always changing direction and iterating, like that's where the magic happens. And, you know, that's why my business has grown so much over the last couple of years. When you look at your growth and you look at the talk about the funnels and the leads and, and all that stuff, I mean, one, branding is important. But number two, how are you getting out there and making sure people are seeing your stuff? Like what, what's the secret sauce in there, if you will, to help people uh, learn from you and, and how you've grown your business? Yeah, we do about a million organic impressions a month on Instagram right now. And it's because we create valuable content. I think that's the hack. You have to be of service yeah. and you have to provide value to your audience. I mean, on top of that, uh, I'm networked with a lot of names in the space. And so I sort of borrow their credibility and I display that in front of my community. And, you know, they're resharing content and we're providing value to them. So that kind of helps a lot, you know, getting in front of an audience that's already been created that sort of mirrors your audience is, is a good way to okay. make that happen, too. Yeah, I saw that you had uh, people on your podcast, Grant Cardone, Lewis House, Alex Harmozy. I mean, those are some big names. Yeah, absolutely. So we just try to provide value to those guys and then in return, uh, try to get in front of their audience a little bit as a result. And uh, they all have big audiences and they spend a lot of money to build those audiences. So it's a great way to yeah. get in front of more people. So what you asked me about my favorite book, I'll ask you that question here in a second, but I find myself, if I'm not engaged in a book, I, I committed in April 2016 to start reading cover to cover because I was the guy that had the book on the nightstand. I'd read 20, 30 pages. I was kind of bored. And then it would stay in the nightstand for a while. Then it goes in the drawer and then you never see the book again. Right. And I'm like, I'm done with this. I got to read cover to cover. So I find myself sometimes struggling with reading a full book if I'm not totally engaged with it. And I still do it, but it takes me longer than I should. And that's probably why I don't read more books. So what is your process like with that? If you're 40 pages in and the book sucks, in your opinion, what are you doing with it? <clears throat> There's a, a great rule called the rule of 100. So it says, take the number 100, subtract your age, and that's how many pages you have to read before you can put down a book. So for me, I'm 29. I have to read at least 71 pages before I can put down a bad book. It's just a rule, a framework to make sure that you kind of stay consistent. The older you get, the less you have to read because the wiser you have become. Uh, so I think about it like that. I think life is too short to read a bad book and to force yourself all the way through it. I used to read cover to cover every single word. I realized like I'm not optimizing for finishing a book. That's not the goal. The goal is to implement something. And if this book isn't going to be it for me, like I thought it was going to solve a problem and it's clearly not going to, like I've given my, myself the space to move on these days. Yeah. I like that. So I got to read 55 pages in a book basically before I give up on it. Yep. There you go. That's about where I'm at anyway. I'm 45. So 55, <laughs> we're good to go. Um, yeah, but then it's like, man, it sucks. I want that book. I, you know, I put them all on my bookshelf. I've got them labeled to the year they are, and you know, I want to read it cover to cover. And now I got to. I just wasted my time. And, you know, it's uh, I'm competitive, and I like to check the box that I've read that book. Um, any good apps? Any good apps that you recommend people use to help with reading or like meaning tracking it and and keeping score? You know, I've actually tried to build some uh, in the past because I don't love any of the ones that are currently out there better 
I'm not a fan of Goodreads, not a fan of Readwise, not a fan of uh, any of the book summary applications. But I, for note taking, I do use Evernote. So I think Evernote's a great platform for categorizing my favorite takeaways from some of the books that I've read. Um, my use of the platform has gone up and down over time, but yeah, that's that's a great app. And then like you know, it. for for in general, for making sure that you read, just set a daily reminder. Like if you're waking up at seven and you want to get your ten pages done in the morning, just hey Siri, set a goal for reading ten pages every morning and remind me at seven a.m. or whatever. And like yeah. those little nudges will help you will help you be consistent. Yeah, I use the app Basmo. Have you heard of that one? No. Yeah, so it, I think it's, let me confirm that. That's what it is on my phone here. So it is called, yeah, Basmo, B-A-S-M-O. It was like a yearly fee, but you put all your books in that you're reading, and it'll tell you what percentage you're at, of having it done. It'll, you, know, you basically set your timer when you start, when you finish. You talk about what page you're on, and it will tell you, you know, how many words per minute you're reading, how many pages per minute you're reading. It'll tell me, hey, based on this speed of reading, you'll finish this book in whatever, two hours and 17 minutes. And then it's just got a library of all the books I've read this year, which has been kind of cool because you can look back on it and you can take pictures, you can write notes. So I found that to be pretty helpful. I like that. So maybe you could just take that idea and then uh, build your own and then we'll, we'll sell it on here. Everybody will, everybody will use it. Sound good? <laughs> yeah, that sounds good. I'm, I'll look that up, Basmo. I'm surprised that I yeah. haven't heard of it. Yeah, I don't even know where I heard about it, but uh, I, I've been using it for probably six months, and I really like it. Um, what What are the habits? If I would follow you besides, again, reading, if I follow you around with a camera every day, what am I going to see, the no-miss moments, successful business owner, impacting a lot of people? What are you doing day in and day out? First thing <laughs> I do when I wake up is I walk outside and I get some sunlight, and that's with my dog. So we go on a walk. Most mornings, uh, it's a 45-minute walk. There's a trail near my house, and we get some fresh air. We get the blood moving. We drink water, and we get sunlight before caffeine. Then we go home. Uh, he gets fed, and we go to the gym. So my wife is with me, too. We go to the gym. We exercise. And uh, I think it's important to get those exercise endorphins flowing before your day gets kicked off. So I focus a lot on strength. Uh, and mobility right now, flexibility has been important for me. And then I come home, do a 20 minute transcendental meditation in front of my red light. Like it all sounds kind of funny, but I'm one of those guys that's really into biohacking and routines and everything like yeah. that. Um, shower, caffeine, reading, and then my day starts around 10 a.m. Uh, with a with a that I have with my team every day. So those are the things that I don't miss every single day of the week. And they're all the, the they're all the th the kind of like foundation things for my energy. I also don't eat until twelve o'clock, uh, so I practice intermittent fasting normally once a week or a couple times a month. I'll do a longer fast as well. So I'm into all of that stuff. I think energy preservation, uh, energy optimization, those are some of the things that I focus on with my routines. Yeah. So what are you what are you learning about the red light? I've been debating on one of those. I, I've I've got a sauna at home, and I was thinking about putting one of those in my sauna. I've got the lights and all that stuff, but it's not the true red light therapy. So, um, what are you what are you liking about that? And do you actually feel any different? Are you seeing anything different with that? I've been using it daily for about six months, and I can't. I I will say that I've you know I'm in the gym every day. Sometimes I'll tweak something, or a muscle will be sore. Time is slightly fast. 
some benefits as far as skin and stuff like that. Like it'll, it'll stimulate collagen production. I haven't noticed anything with my skin, but that's supposed to be a long-term benefit. And yeah, I have a sauna in my house too. Uh, we're not as good at getting the sauna session in every day as we could be. We normally sauna on the weekends, but you know, I, and then during certain seasons, more winter than anything, we're cold plunging. So yeah, I do all that kind of stuff. Yeah. Yeah. That cold plunging never gets easy, man. It's freaking terrible, isn't it? It is. Yeah. And I'll tell you what though, like I, I enjoy cold plunging. So I just have a tub outside and I fill it with Epsom salt water and, and we clean the water every so often. And in Boston, it gets really cold. Uh, so there's a great period of time for like three months where the water sits at 33 degrees. There's a layer of ice right. on top and you got to get in for a few minutes. And like, I I love it. I, I really do love it. <laughs> I, lo- I love that you love it because it's like, I, I love it too. Like once I get out and once the initial shock and, I don't know if you, I'm sure you've done this, but I actually videotaped myself getting in at one time and just, I've never, I never thought I could make facial expressions like that in my life. I'm like, this is hell. <laughs> this is exactly what hell has to be like other than it's hot, not cold, but uh, it's just brutal. But, but again, it is the one thing I was just having this conversation with somebody the other day it is the one thing where I feel drastically different when I'm done. Would you agree with that? Oh Yeah your endorphins are through the roof and you're just your dopamine spikes and it lasts for a while. Like feel like a million bucks. I agree. Yeah. Yeah. It's amazing. Um, what, what is the thing if I, if I were to steal your cell phone from you, is there anything in there that, you know, besides the normal music, email, stuff like that calendar, but is there anything app or any kind of hack thing that you use to be productive and live your best life on your phone that you wouldn't want me to delete? Yes. I have an app called One Sec. Have you heard of this? I have not. Okay. So I'll, I'll demonstrate it live for you. So it, it basically stops any impulse use of social media. So when I click Instagram up on the yep. screen here, watch what happens. It says, oh, it's time to take a deep breath. It makes me breathe in. Then it makes me breathe out. And it says... Hey, you've tried to access Instagram 19 times in the last 24 hours. And then it makes you press the button. Do you actually want to use Instagram or do you not wow. need it right now? And so it stops the impulsivity. Like oftentimes I'll click it when I'm just waiting in line for something. And then I'll be like, you know what? No, I don't need Instagram right now. And so oh. that saved me a heck of a lot of time. So on one sec, so that is like basically an overlay on your phone. So if it, is it any app or is it just the ones you kind of pick and choose which one to do? Yeah, it's any app on your phone and there's tons of other rules. So there's actually an app uh, that comes pre-installed with iPhone, but most people delete it. Let's see. It's called, I forget where I tucked this thing. It's called... Shortcuts, and so this oh, yeah. app one exactly integrates with shortcuts, and it you can you can integrate one sec with any other app. So like, and then you can determine how long the break is, and there's all sorts of rules. So uh, the one sec app has a tutorial in it about how to set it up with any app, and that's what I do. I love that. That's a game changer, man. I'm gonna get that and uh, 
the Gilliland boys are going to get a new app installed on their phone. And so when they see they've tried to get on TikTok for the 900th time in the last 24 hours, right, that this will make them take a deep breath and, and rethink if they actually want to do that. So uh, that's awesome, man. What um, Talk to us about the journey, the grind, man. What, what do you love about it? What do you dislike about it? Uh, what can you share with our listeners there? Well, I love everything about it. I really do. I mean, failure is part of the process. Struggle is part of the process. And when you expect it to happen, it doesn't surprise you. So mm. I, I, what do I try to optimize for? I want to enjoy the passage of time. And for me, part of that is failure. Part of it is growth. Part of it is friction. It's being uncomfortable. And so I enjoy it. Like I expect it. And as a result, it happens. And and it doesn't surprise me. Um, I'm just out here loving my life. I'm out here building, having fun and positively impacting people. And those are the things that I'm optimizing for. So, you know, I use these books like a cheat code, like a shortcut. I mean, they condense decades of somebody else's lived experience into days of consumption. Yeah. And, uh, you know, I, I joke around. I'm not 29 years old. I'm thousands of years old, if you include all the books that I've read. So. Yeah, that's the magic. So talk about this book, Rise of the Reader, man. It's coming out November 1st, 2023. Talk to our listeners about this book. It's going to be awesome. Yeah, I just, over the years of building my community on social media, I've received the same questions thousands of times. Like, how do I choose the right book? How do I take great notes? How do I retain more from the books? How do I implement more from the books? And so what I did was I documented my entire process, every little detail from how do I choose these books to how do I implement it, how do I track that behavior. So it's all in the book, Rise of Reader. And again, uh, if you choose to read this, you'll get more from the other books that you're reading. That's the promise. I like that. And uh, where can our listeners find more of it? Yeah, if you go to Book Thinkers, so it's spelled just like it sounds, Book Thinkers on Instagram, that's our most active community. Like I said, we do about impressions a month over there, and, and that's where you can connect with a ton of cool people. And then from there, there are links in the bio to the book and to our websites and everything else. So Book Thinkers, go in there now. We're going to do a little, yeah, a little fun. There we are. All right, we're going to play a little game here. Pick a number between 1 and 10. Uh, seven. All right. Now between one and three. Two. All right. It says this book's help you, this book helps you develop and implement and it's uh, atomic habits by, uh, James clear. So talk to us about that. What made you make that post right there? Well, I don't manage our Instagram channel anymore, but <laughs> Atomic Habits is, has sold Atomic Habits has sold 10 million copies since it came out. Um, clearly, people have an issue controlling their own behavior, and so they're looking for habit creation, how to undo bad habits, how to install good habits. And Atomic Habits is the best. I mean, James Clear wrote a very simple, actionable book. Uh, almost everybody that reads it finds something of value in it. And I think like there's a great quote from the book that I've, I've always remembered. James says something like every action you take today is a vote for the person you're becoming. Mm. And so if you want, if you want a different future, 
to take different actions today. You have to change your votes and that book will help you do it. I love that. I mean, you got a lot of people I follow on here. You got like 27 uh, mutual followers. So that's, uh, it's good it. stuff. I like this. Um, talk about fears, man. How many, of the, how many of the fears you've put in your mind have actually blown up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be? None of them. I think yeah. uh, we spend a lot of time. Yeah, we spend a lot of time. We spend a lot of time creating fake stories and amplifying fake situations that never come to fruition. And that holds us back in a big way. So, yeah, I... <laughs> When I was younger, I had a lot of social anxiety. I had a lot of fear. Um, I even had fear in sports when I was growing up. And none of it ever came to fruition. But um, the more you grow and the more uncomfortable you are, the uh, the less uncomfortable you become, I think. Like through exposure, yeah. you become desensitized to things that previously created fear. So, yeah. And again, I think I just – failure is part of the process. So you can't let it surprise you. You can't – and failure is so beautiful. Like it's so optimistic because it teaches you what not to do. And that gets you what a little bit closer to what to do. So, yeah. But how do you, so how, how, what do you say to that person that's listening to this right now? And they're like, whatever, man, you're full of, you know, whatever, Nick, it's not beautiful. It, it, it sucks. It's, you know, I don't know if I'm going to make, you know, I, I just had this happen today, a, a business owner. It's like, man, I laid in bed all night last night. You know, I'm in this spot, you know, he's stressed. He's thinking about some stuff financially. And, you know, so that guy probably isn't going to agree in that moment when you're up all night and you're stressed out that it's beautiful. It's easy to say, and I agree with you. So I'm not, I'm not saying I don't agree with you, but, but, but how, how does it become beautiful? How do you, when it does suck really bad in the moment, how do you get out of it and try to spin that thinking to where it's beautiful? I say a couple of things. Um, oftentimes we think that our pain is unique to us, but the reality is about a hundred billion people have lived before us, a hundred billion history of humanity. Millions of those people have documented their life experience in the form of a book. So they've condensed decades of lived experience, everything they did to overcome their problems. And they put it all in the book right there for you. Thousands of those books are probably related to the same problems that that person is facing today, your client. Yeah. And so if you can slow things down, realize that it's not unique to anybody goes through this, but the roadmap, there is a solution. Other people have found a way to solve this same problem, the financial anxiety, the scarcity mindset, whatever it is. And if you can spend $20 and a few hours of your time and slow things down, you can avoid dealing with that for the rest of your life by reading and implementing the right book. Said another way, if you deal with something on a daily basis, over the next 30 years, you'll deal with it 11,000 times, 365 times 30. Mm -hmm. So spend the next 100 days figuring it out so that the next 10,900 days you don't have to deal with it. I would, I would say be more logical, less emotional. Like Talk about these facts. Um, yeah, it does stink. Like I've been in a lot of bad situations with business <laughs> where I didn't know if I was going to make payroll or, or whatever. Um, now I think when those situations pop up, I just have the experience of having gone through it so many that it's just like, this is part of the, problem. um, other people have it worse. Like they say, comparison is the thief of joy. 
I think comparison creates joy when you look at people that are in worse circumstances. So mm. I use yeah. that tool a lot as well to kind of slow things down. Yeah. I think that's great perspective, man, and great wisdom, actually. It, it, cause I agree when I started this podcast six and a half years ago, I asked that I've asked that question to 300 plus people, right? I mean, the fears you put in your mind blow up to the magnitude you put them in your mind to be most of them do exactly what you did. You smile, you say zero. And for me, that's built this massive belief that the fears I've put in my mind over my lifetime, I can say none of them have come true, right? And I can also say the 300 plus people, the, the hundreds of books I've read, you're learning from that, man. So like the podcasts you read, the people you surround yourself with, the books you read, um, those things. Yeah, absolutely. Sorry, I know our uh, internet connection is going into yeah. that a little bit. But, yes, uh, it is. Sorry, I don't know why that is. I mean, yes. Oh, all good. Um, yes, absolutely. And I read a book a number of years ago called The Top Five Regrets of the Dying by Bronnie Ware. And she was an end-of-life is an end-of-life palliative care nurse, meaning she would spend the last couple of weeks or maybe days with somebody before they passed away, talking with them, helping them transition. And she realized that everybody dies with a ton of regret. And the number one regret is essentially living a life based on other people's expectations of them instead of their own, like playing a smaller game, not taking risk, ending up wishing they had. And I just won't accept that for myself. Like, I think the pain of regret hurts a lot more than the pain of fear or, or being uncomfortable in the short term, right? Like, in order to, to, to live my dream life, that's just, that it's part of the process. Like it happens, everybody faces it. So for me, it's, I would rather avoid regret, but be uncomfortable in the short term than like have this permanent regret of not doing more with my life, you know? Yep. Yep. Well, I, I've said this for years too, is regret weighs tons, discipline weighs ounces, you know? So it, uh, you know, I also talk about our attitude defines where we go. Our discipline decides how fast we get there. And so, the, and you mentioned it earlier about mm. discipline, right? So, um, however, uh, how much more discipline we can get, I don't know, man, but it's, it's for me, it's put it on your calendar, schedule it, make things happen, take action, but also be clear about where you're going, right? Have clarity about your plans and your future. And uh, sometimes it's easier to find that discipline. So, um, again, you asked me this question to start with, but I'll ask you now. So what are your favorite books? Top one, two, three books you'd recommend for people? The book that's had the biggest impact on the life that I live today and the joy that I experience on a daily basis is The 4-Hour Workweek by Tim Ferriss. Uh, That book helped me really design my lifestyle I have a remote business. I travel internationally a lot. Um, I've spent time in 25 different countries over the last five years with my wife, sometimes for up to a few months at a time. I have a remote business that has 10 people on the team, but everybody's in a different location. And it's all a result of that book. Book number two, $100 million offers by Alex Hormozzi added an additional six figures of revenue to my small business, which is pretty significant. And it's all offer creation and uh, sales, essentially. And then The Compound Effect by Darren Hardy is book number three. Small steps in the right direction over a long period of time. That's the name of the game. So 
when you talk about fear, like I, there were a couple points where I wanted to maybe mention just bite size. Like how do you eat an elephant one bite at a time? No matter how many times you read Aesop's fable, the tortoise and the hare, the tortoise always wins. Like small steps and small steps create less fear than big steps do. So I don't have huge goals, but I have manageable steps in the right direction in front of me. And that's where I find most success. Yeah. You know, it's funny you say that at 29, here I am 45. And so when I was in my twenties, I was, um, you know, I was, I had these huge, big goals and I was always chasing them. And it was funny because then I found sometimes when I hit those goals, I'm thinking the bells and whistles and the confetti is going to fly down and it, and it doesn't happen. Right. And I found that I would beat myself up if I didn't do that one thing, even though it was a massive, massive deal. And I would end up still having a great year and a great success and, and have built a good life. Um, and so I found as I've aged and you're doing it now at 29. So I applaud you for that is, is taking the baby steps. You know, I'd be like, all right, I'm going to go from zero workouts to seven workouts a week. I'm going to do that. And then I would do like three and then I'd beat myself up over it. Right. And just constant struggle. So I applaud you on that, man. And for our listeners, I would agree. It's, it's finding that bite sized deal that you can accomplish and do and feel good about your success. Yeah. I, process matters so much more than outcome. And yeah. so I just want to enjoy the process and make sure it's sustainable. And I know that it will compound into exactly what I'm looking for in the future anyway. Yeah. I love it. So where do our listeners find more of Nick Hutchison, man? The best place to go is at book thinkers on Instagram, which we highlighted once before. And from there, there yep. are links in our bio to everything that you're going to need. Awesome. Well, we will put this in the show notes and it's been awesome having you on the circuit of success, my man. Stay with me while I hit end here, but this, thanks for joining us. Sorry about the internet connection today. I don't know what's going on there, but, uh, I love the stuff. I had a page of notes here, man. I loved it. Thank you. Thank you for the opportunity. I really appreciate it.